This is Construction Business Mastery, episode number 11. In the fast-paced, high-tech world of construction today, 80% of the new start construction companies go broke or out of business within the first year. In five years, only 2% of the construction companies remain. Construction Business Mastery is dedicated to providing educational information and resources necessary for construction companies to succeed and prosper. Hello, this is Glenn Wilson, and again, I'll be your host for this episode of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. This will be our 11th podcast in a series of podcasts that are dedicated to assisting independent and medium-sized contractors succeed and prosper in the construction industry. In our feature segment this month, we're going to be looking at utilizing the Internet in our construction marketing program and the surprising impact that can have if done correctly. In our legal segment, we're going to be looking at a very interesting case where a contractor was working for the county without a contract and was not paid for $273,000 in work that they did. And in our safety segment, we are going to be continuing with the top 10 violations that we started last month. And in our quick tips and bonus section... We will be looking at some free tools available to help us with our marketing and business management. Welcome to this month's feature segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. Well, here we are now at the 1st of April. It looks like we're finally into a springtime weather pattern. I know two months ago I was complaining about the cold and snow and freezing conditions, and now all I can do is complain about the fact that it's raining three days a week and we still can't get any work done. Oh, well, such is the life of a contractor during winter and early spring. At least that's true in our part of the country. In our continuing effort to improve our business operations, I have spent a good part of the month of March, particularly on the rainy days, looking at ways to improve our marketing efforts. We spent time updating our website, making sure that all of the information there was current and correct, with our new projects listed, and posting some new comments from some of our existing clients, After that was complete, I began to look at ways that we could get our message out to more people and have broader exposure to the marketplace. It became very evident very quickly after conducting some research that the next wave of marketing in the future is going to be in social media. As I thought about it, it's probably very true. Every day I get new emails from companies like Bass Pro Shops, Land's Inn, L.L. Bean, and others asking me to join their Facebook page and friend them. It looks like the social media arena really centers around only a few social networks. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and blogging channels. I am somewhat savvy about some social media arenas, especially podcasting. After all, I do a podcast every month. But as I thought about trying to stay ahead of and manage all of the other social media arenas, 
I knew I just didn't have time to do it and do it effectively and run my construction business at the same time. So I looked into hiring a social media manager and found one that I was comfortable with that had some knowledge of the construction industry. I found that we could be active in all of the social media arenas for as little as three to four hundred dollars a month. So I decided to make the commitment, dive in, and see how it worked. And I have to say, it's been one of the best marketing decisions I've made in many years. We have seen the traffic to our website quadruple in the past three weeks and have received nine new requests from information on our firm from potential new clients. Wow! As I thought about how to incorporate all of this information into this podcast, I realized that there was an inherent problem with contractors utilizing this information, and that was that the vast majority of independent and medium-sized contractors are computer illiterate. That doesn't mean they don't know how to use computers, but for the most part, they do not incorporate computers into the day-to-day operations of their business. Most of you who are listening to this podcast, I would probably put in the category of being computer literate. If you weren't, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So armed with that knowledge, I realized that the contractors that have websites and develop social media marketing systems will have a tremendous advantage in marketing and company recognition than those that do not. And truthfully, that relates into more projects and construction dollars. So I encourage you, if you do not currently have a website and you are not currently involved in social media marketing, find someone to help you develop that website and find a social media manager that can help you get in the game. As I have already seen this month, it pays off big time. It is now time for the legal segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. The information in this section is taken from the Construction Claims Advisor with the express permission of WP Publishing Company. As I have mentioned in previous podcasts, the most important written document in an entire construction project is an executed contract. Doing work without a contract is one of the dumbest things a contractor can do. This is really pointed out in this month's legal section. Terry Crow, the sole proprietor of a roadwork and hauling contractor in Kaufman County, Texas, filed suit against the county after it denied payment to Crow for work invoices totaling $273,000. The county denied payment because Crow did not have a contract with the county, and the county had a reasonable belief that payment of the invoices would constitute a violation of the state's competitive bidding statutes. Crow filed suit. The county filed a denial and asserted a counterclaim for attorney's fees and expenses in defending Crow's suit. The county moved to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction. Both parties filed motions for summary judgment 
on whether the county's action constituted a taking of Crow's property, for which he was entitled to compensation. The trial court denied the county's motion to dismiss for want of jurisdiction, however granted the county's motion for summary judgment. They denied Crow's motion for summary judgment and upheld the county's denial of payment to Crow. Both parties appealed. In order to understand what's happening in this case, we need to look at a little bit of the background. Terry Crow Sand and Gravel performed road and hauling work in Kaufman County at the request of two county commissioners. No bids were solicited for the work, and Crow did not have any written contracts with the county for the work. For all prior invoices, the coup commissioners made sure that the county paid Crow for the work that Crow performed at the commissioner's request. Crow made sure that each invoice submitted was below $25,000 as the commissioners instructed. Under the County Purchasing Act, the county was required to use competitive bidding for most contracts requiring expenditures exceeding $25,000. Purchases made separately or sequentially in an attempt to avoid the requirements of the Act were treated as a single purchase. In January 2004, Crow submitted 15 invoices totaling $284,000 for hauling and road work. The county approved an $11,000 payment for the work which Crow had submitted a bid and received a county contract. The county denied payment of the remaining $273,000. Of Crow's 15 invoices, nine exceeded $20,000 and five were between $24,000 and $25,000. In an affidavit, the county auditor said that she rejected payment because, one, Crow did not have a contract with the county, and two, a reasonable belief existed that payment of the invoices would constitute a violation of the state's competitive bidding statutes. After the county denied payment, Crow filed suit alleging a taking of his property for public use by the county for which he was entitled for just compensation under the Texas Constitution. The Texas Court of Appeals upheld the trial court's denial of the county's motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction, finding that, by filing a suit for damages, Kaufman County waived its immunity from suit for any claim connected to the county's suit. The court rejected the county's argument that the waiver argument did not apply because it had abandoned its counterclaim. The court affirmed the county's summary judgment as well as the lower court's denial of Crow's motion for summary judgment, holding that the county did not intend to act under its power of eminent domain when the county auditor refused to approve Crow's claim for payment. Instead, her intent was to deny payment for a claim on a contract that may have been in violation of the County Purchasing Act. Further, the court rejected Crow's argument that his right to reimbursement under the taking clause of the Texas Constitution trumped the county's right under the County Reclamation Act. 
the court upheld that the lack of any intentional act by the county constituting a taking prevented Crow from recovering under the Texas Constitution. Finally, the court held that the county's failure to compensate Crow for his materials and labor may have been a hardship for Crow and a windfall for the county, but Crow did not have a remedy under the taking clause of the Texas Constitution. In conclusion, contractors for working for any state or local government should be careful not to circumvent state or local bidding or contract requirements. If they do, they do it at their own risk. This again just points out that doing work without a proper contract is again one of the dumbest things a contractor can do. And now it's time for the safety segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. This month, we're going to complete the top 10 safety violations as reported by OSHA this last quarter. Last month, we looked at 6 through 10. This month, we will be looking at 1 through 5. The fifth violation most cited by OSHA was ladders. Number of inspections was 1,783. Number of citations, 2,362. Total amount fined, $1,245,494, or an average fine of $698. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen construction workers using ladders that are broken or bent or have missing rungs. It seems that safe work practices go out the window when you're using a ladder. You're not allowed to do any work from a ladder. It is designed to get you from the ground to a certain height and aid you in getting back down. Once again, training is needed. You need to know the rules. Violation number four is aerial lifts. Number of inspections, 1,259. Number of citations, 1,432. Total amount fined, $1,210,045. Average fine is $961. Too many times I've seen shortcuts being taken using aerial lifts. Only qualified persons should perform hoisting and lifting operations. Riggers work with hoisting tackle and gear that consists of hooks, hook blocks and balls, eye rings, welded netting, slings, cradles, chains, wire ropes, various synthetic ropes, shackles, couplers, and other fasteners, fittings, and associated attachments. Before starting any lifting operation, a meeting should be held by all involved personnel to review the lift plan. This plan should include a detailed sketch of the process that will serve as a visual guide for what is expected to happen. This past week, we had a fatality in our local area where a cable snapped from a crane, dropping its load on one construction worker. This is a high price to pay for lack of planning and education. The third most cited is fall protection. Number of inspections, 4,667. Number of citations, 5,148. Total amount fined, 
$5,417,592 with an average fine of $1,160. OSHA takes fall protection very seriously. Fines and citations can come from a variety of issues. Working at height can be very dangerous. Safety must be your primary concern. The following are a few reasons why companies are fined. Not properly constructing or installing safety equipment, not properly training employees in the use of fall protection equipment, and not using safe work practices. The second most cited were specific excavation requirements. Number of inspections, 770. Number of citations, 1,362. Total amount fined, $1,625,293, with an average fine of $2,110. Excavations on a job can change daily, and you need to keep up with the safety rules and regulations. There are many reasons why companies get fined. Here are a few examples, and this is by no means a complete list. Some reasons include not having proper permits, not meeting access or egress, contingencies, or even not performing daily inspections. The number one safety violation comes from just general requirements. Number of inspections, 3,025. Number of citations, 8,147. Total amount fined, $6,601,703 with an average fine of $2,182. The average construction site is an ever-changing, bustling place that can pose many hazards for employees. If a project is up to speed, you can find workmen from several different trades working in the same vicinity, within close proximity of others. The hazards encountered on a job site can be from hand tools, power tools, or from operations of heavy equipment. There are many risks from falls, improper excavation procedures, fire, unsafe breathing apparatuses and atmospheres, and hazards of electric shock. All of these situations are potentially dangerous and possibly lethal. If proper safety measures are not followed, considering the fact that 20% of all worksite fatalities are related to construction, the extra time it takes to create a safe workplace practice will be well worth it. Here are some interesting grand totals on the top 10 safety violations. There were 12,434 inspections performed by OSHA with 39,427 citations, a whopping grand total of $29,254,948 fined to the construction companies and contractors with less than 10 employees. That's an average of $2,352 per fine per inspection. Your company should be thoroughly covered with a written safety program whether you have one employee or a thousand employees. The emphasis on safety in the culture of your business can help you avoid these fines. If you do not have a safety program in place, I highly recommend that you find a construction safety professional to assist you in preparing a safety program.
And now it's time for the quick tips and bonus section of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. Before we get into the quick tips and bonuses section of the podcast, I would like to encourage our listeners to go to iTunes and rate this podcast, or more importantly, write a review. Let other potential listeners know what you think of the information that we are providing. And now for our quick tips. As we stated earlier in the feature segment, it is imperative that contractors start utilizing the Internet in their marketing efforts. If you don't have a website, you need to get one now. If you have a website and it sucks, you need to get it cleaned up and functioning in the social media arena. The best blogging websites that we have found so far are produced or published through WordPress. You can find that at www.wordpress.org. You can get that for a small hosting fee, and the software for WordPress is free. You need to have a very professional homepage on your website. Your homepage is like the showroom for your company or the foyer or living room of your house. It's the first place visitors see, and that's where they form their first impression of you and your company. Having a website with a well-thought-out and attractive homepage is just as important as having business cards. This is where your potential clients and customers will check you out to see if you are for real. A friend of mine in the construction business told me, if you don't have a website, your company really doesn't exist. Post your company information on other areas of the Internet. There are all sorts of There are all sorts of ways of creating fast and easy pages that promote your construction company brand. This means that your website doesn't have to be the only place that gives visitors information about your business. For example, you can go to Google Maps and use the business listing feature to create a page that gives your location and other contact information and use that link to promote your website. You can share all the information plus photos of your work with a free Facebook account. Got tons of job site pictures? Make a Flickr album and let your customers see all your great work. Videos of your jobs? Put them up on YouTube. These are all arenas that are free that you can utilize to promote your construction company. 85% of companies today looking to acquire goods and services look first to the Internet for their information. Check out our show notes for this episode of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast at www.constructionbusinessmastery.com for links to WordPress and other social media sites that are free for you to sign up and begin engaging your customers on the Internet. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. (laughs) 